Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast with your hosts, Corndog and Eric. Hey everybody, welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast. This is episode number 84, June 9th, 2023. We are back in studio in Panaka, USA. What's up, guys? Welcome, welcome. This is Corndog and Eric coming at you. And uh, hey, so we've been super duper busy. And uh, I know we published our last Baja Story show. It's been a while. We've been back down in Baja. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But our guest tonight will be Lyndon Smith from Seat Concepts. We actually recorded his show a few weeks ago or a month ago during the Nevada 200 trail ride. He was up here. We were able to spend the whole week with him riding Mark and Course, riding the event all weekend. So super, super cool guy. Anyway, so we've had his uh, story in our library for a few weeks just because we've been so busy. And tonight's the night we're going to publish. So um, pretty good story. Pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to sit down with Lennon and hear about his business and seat concepts, how they got started and, and all that. Like, what a cool guy. So <laughs> stay tuned. You're in for a good show. Yeah. So let's talk about Baja, the Baja 500 we just got back from a few days ago. Um, but we, I know we were weeks and weeks prepping for that. We worked our tails off over here in Eric's shop. and Yeah, that's the... The first thing I want to just hit on is it's a tremendous, tremendous amount of work that goes into prepping to race a race, uh, you know, in another country and of that caliber. Um, if you go down there not not prepared, you're just asking to fail. And um, so we put in countless hours. I mean, 3.30 in the morning, nights, working all night in the shop several nights till midnight and uh just trying to do everything we could to get prepped and ready to go and it just it, it almost feels like it's never enough you know <laughs> but um we all we're all working jobs on the side and you know we've got our our careers and and things and then well some of you well corn dog's retired but he doesn't <laughs> count <laughs> anyway but busy it's playing t- it's tough it's busy life's busy we're you know work family uh time in the shop it's it's a tough balance but anyway we yeah we put in tons of time had some really good people that came over to the shop and and donated countless hours helping me get bikes prepped and and built you know for for baja and so we we made it though we got down there we Went down a week and a half early and just really put in some time down there pre-running. and Stayed out of jail. Stayed out of jail this time. That was a plus. That's always a win. (laughs) (laughs) Corndog had a couple scares. Yeah, although, yeah, ran into some military checkpoints. Thought he was going to end up back in jail. They uh, pulled me off. They set up a temporary checkpoint when we were out pre-running, dropped Hayden off, <clears throat> dropped Hayden off and uh, I got the luck of the draw again, got pulled over to the side, and they searched the truck, the same infamous truck. So um, 
they literally pulled my dirty clothes baggie out. We're pulling my dirty underwear out. And they searched, but we were clean. Let us go. So, mind you, tensions were a little high going down. Um, literally, the weekend that pre-running opened, um, Saturday, pre-running opened for the Baja 500. And down in San Catin, there was a... a cartel related shooting that took place on another call another cartel group that was in a bunch of utvs side by sides and they were doing like a, a group tour or something down there anyway um there was some cartel feuding going on they shot up and killed you know nine or ten people and injured a bunch more um anyway so tensions were a little high going down the mexican government um put up a whole bunch of military and police um, patrolling the area to try and keep it safe for the week of the race and the week of pre-running and everything. So military and police presence was extremely high the entire time we were down there. Uh, we didn't really have too many other incidents or issues, but um, definitely, yeah, it was tensions were a little high going down and the military was definitely checking things out a little, a little more, you know, a little more uh, than normal. But they were all good though. They were they all were very respectful. Yeah, respectful, doing their just doing their job. Yep. So, yep. As long as you're clean and abiding by the rules, you're you should be okay. Yeah. If you're going to Mexico to the to the score races, just clean your vehicles out. Don't do anything stupid. And uh, you'll be fine. It's a good time down there. Had a blast. Had a blast. What was the taco count? Lost track. We ate so many freaking tacos. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner when I was staying in Valley T. <laughs> I was there when they opened and there when they closed. <laughs> Corn Dog was on a first name basis with the owner of Valley T Tacos. Pretty much. The whole crew gave him some ground shaker shirts and they pulled me in the kitchen. We took pictures. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. But... Plus a bunch of little kids around. Uh, where was that? Ne uh, Oso Negros and Valley T. Everywhere. Just yep. having fun with everybody. Yeah, that's part of the fun. You know, we went through Ojos Negros, and um, the first time I pre-ran through there, the kids were all standing outside their houses just, you know, wanting stickers and stuff. So I kind of promised them all that I'd come back through again and I'd bring stickers. So... I did. I loaded up on stickers, filled my fanny pack. I was all good and dialed in. Come rolling through there, start handing out stickers. Well, there was three times as many kids this time. <laughs> and so I ran out of stickers. I felt bad, but um, a couple kids on bicycles were cruising around, rode up to the moto van. We were able to give them a couple jerseys and some pants and yeah. kind of just made their day, man. It was so much fun. But yeah. Anyway, so um, we want to do a little couple second of silence for uh, we had an Ironman down there pre-running and uh, during pre-run had a bad crash and ended up um, passing. Passing. Um, I know I probably won't be able to say his name right. You know how to say that, Juani Zunio. Yeah. Juan Izunio, he was uh, 
Australian, wasn't he? Argentine. Argen- Argentine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he actually just won the Ironman class at the San Felipe 250, so pre-running. Um, Baja took another one. <laughs> it was uh, pretty sad, pretty pretty uh, heart-wrenching. I know when we heard the news, we one of our riders was pre-running that section. We're heading that direction. So we were all on the phone. I know I was trying to find out, make sure our rider is okay. And, you know, we had no idea who it was. We just got word that there was an accident. So our hearts go out to him and his family and friends. It was pretty cool, too. I I wasn't at the start with you guys, but I guess they had his bike staged. And if I was there, I probably would have lost it. (laughs) So... Pretty sad yeah, deal. They, they staged his bike in the location where he would have started and gave a 30-second moment of silence and tribute to him at the start, which that was really cool. So when when we first started doing this, or you guys first started talking to Baja, you know, when I started getting more excited about it, um, yeah, you go down there, you have competitors you're racing against, but ultimately, I can't remember who told me, maybe it was you, Eric, but ultimately you go down there, you race against Baja, where you finish in your class is like second to Baja. So sometimes you get to finish Baja and sometimes you don't. Or sometimes you give the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, sometimes you beat Baja and sometimes Baja beats you. So anyways, um, our hearts go out with them. Uh... Tell us a little bit how we did on our, our, as far as our racing. Yeah, so like I said, we put in a full week and a half of pre-running and uh, really worked hard. Sometimes, some days we were the first team on the course pre-running at, you know, getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, going out at 3, start pre-running at 3.30. Um, you know, I was done in my section by seven or eight nine o'clock in the morning some days um trying to pre-run it at the time that i'd be riding my section and just really trying to get everything dialed in i think i pre-ran my my uh section from ohos to race mile 70 i think i pre-ran that like eight times and then uh they didn't open pre-running for the first 30 miles from the start to Ojos until Friday, the day before the race. And so I only got to do that twice. Um, but I had run that section before, so I was kind of dialed in on that. But anyway, yeah, we uh, worked hard up to the race day. And then on um, on race day, we felt pretty good about things, felt good where we were at. We started second open pro second pro unlimited um right behind the 3x bike and it was off to the races we basically had a good pace going i had feel like i had reeled in karen on the 3x in the first 25 miles um we were going over the uh over the other side of the hill toward dropping in towards Ojos Negros. And um, as we were dropping down in the bottom, they're dropping down the hill, I could see 3X in the bottom 
and I was at the top of the hill. So I feel like I was like maybe 25 seconds behind him, 30 seconds behind him. Um, so I just thought, well, if I just keep this pace, you know, we'll, we'll be good. And, uh, about race mile 26, the bike just died on me, quit. Um, I hit the starter several times. It wouldn't start, wouldn't start. So I pulled off, kind of tried to bump start it. Wouldn't start. Um, anyway, I pulled off, stopped, trying not to drain the battery. I was like, well, I better work on, you know, see if it's electrical, see if it's fuel related. I don't know. Anyway, I ended up unplugging the uh, fuel line, drained it, did a bunch of stuff, finally got the bike running. Um, got it to Ojos, got some fuel, bike ran good all the way to race mile 70 where Brian got on. And then later in Brian's section, the bike did the same thing to him. It uh, just shut off on him and wouldn't start. Anyway, um, long story short, we got the bike to race mile 170 where we changed a fuel tank and handed it off to Taylor. And we did a tire, an air filter, and a fuel filter at that same pit. Handed the bike to Taylor, and then from there, kind of had a pretty good run the rest of the time. No bike issues after that, but we had already lost, you know, 30, 40 minutes um, due to those issues. And so at that point, it was just ride what we got and see where we end up, you know. And we came came into the finish fifth physical bike, and I think the 13X beat us by, like, 38 seconds or something, something like that, um, on time, corrected time. So it was a challenge. Our tracker quit working around race mile 330 or something, and so we had no – um, no indication of our speed in the speed zones. And I know I talked to Zach and he was kind of playing it safe. And then when I got on the bike, I was playing it pretty safe and just trying to make sure we weren't going to get any speeding penalties and with no tracker, no speedometer, nothing telling us how fast we were going. That kind of hurt us a little bit, I think, um, in those last sections for sure. So had some challenges, but that's Baja. It's that's racing. It's tough, but you know, I think the number one thing takeaway for me was that um, you know, as long as we're learning from these issues and you know, going to take that and try and get better, um, as long as we're progressing, then you know, lessons learned, move on, get better, and uh, we'll bring it to the four hundred, ready to go. Cool. Yeah. So I know, I know I'm, I'm thankful. I got to pre-run. <laughs> Would we do like 50 miles that day? Some yeah. of it was highway though. Yeah. So yeah. I only got to get on the bike once, but too busy chasing the rest of the time. Uh, which I almost gave up my job for chasing one day. Ran into Toby Price and Kellen Walsh in their pre-runner trophy truck. And, and we ran into them a lot. Actually had dinner with them one night, but, um, he said, there's an empty seat in the back of the truck for me to get in. The only problem is, is where I would have ended up, I would have been like six-hour drive to get back to the truck, let alone trying to find somebody to 
get me back to the truck. So I stayed and did my job. So I took one for the team. <laughs> Good job. You're a better man than me. I'd have hopped in the trophy truck, said, figure it out, boys. <laughs> but they told me the setback seat's always open. So one of these days, I'm going to I'm gonna bail on the team. That's pretty rad. No, you got to do it. It's I got that opportunity several years ago with Kellen and Robbie Gordon and got to do 250 miles with those guys. It was pretty rad. Wow. Yeah, and their pre-runner truck, it's got windows. They have AC. They're just kicking a, back in their shorts and you know they're yeah. just cruising they're they're investigating the course they're not out racing yeah so looks like a good time definitely fun it was pretty cool talking to toby he he talked about how they were up in the helicopter uh checking out the course from the helicopter and uh he said as soon as he, i guess the pilot let him drive or operate the helicopter and fly it he said as soon as he got back online Kellen was teasing him because he was, or when he got back on the ground that night, he was on Google or whatever researching to buy a helicopter. So <laughs> Kellen was giving him a hard time. <laughs> nice. So, anyway, yeah, Baja's great. I got the bug. That's what we need. If anybody out there wants to sponsor 15X with a helicopter, yes, hit us up. <laughs> that would be nice. But... Well, anyway, yeah, it was a good time, man. We had, obviously, there was a lot more uh, went on down there. Race morning, <laughs> headed to the start line. Not going to drop any names, but my chase driver ran a red light, and there was a cop sitting there. They ended up pulling us over, and uh, that cost me some, cost us a fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but at least you were able to take care of it right then and di- and still made it to the start. Yeah, we made it to the start okay, no issues. and Could have been worse. It could have been, yeah, it could have been bad. But um, Again, they were doing their job, basically. Oh, yeah, we were we were in the wrong. We screwed up, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. Pay, the, pay the fine and move on. <laughs> anyway... Other than that, no, it was it was pretty smooth. Had a good time. Everybody, I think everybody enjoyed it, and can't wait to go back. I'm yeah. I'm already looking forward to making the changes that we need to make and trying again. Yep, already starting to work on the 400, getting ready for the 400. So yep, hope I can work it out where I can go. I may be working the haunted house. You're gonna have to tell your boss you needed that week off. Yeah, I'm not sure about this work thing. <laughs> yeah. Gets in the way. Yeah. But, um, well, cool. Uh, I, did, I did have one big get off in my section. Um, so I, uh, like, probably race mile, like, 50 some something, 55, 56. I got one of you in the dark, too, on the GoPro. One what? You went off, slid out of the bike on a, in the dark or something. I tipped over? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I took a line that I I knew the line was there, but I didn't take it in pre-running because I didn't want to show the line. And so I took that line on race day and ended up clipping a rock that I didn't see, and it tipped me. <clears throat> it wasn't a hard crash. I, no. just, I just laid it down there. But <laughs> the other one was like a 60, 70-mile-an-hour high-speed freaking Ooh. out through the brush get-off. <laughs> like, it was gnarly, dude. 
And somehow I walked away pretty unscathed. I was able to get up and just ride off, which it was scary because <coughs> I, I blew a corner. Corner came up on me faster than I thought, and it was steeper than I remembered um, or, you know, more sharp than I remembered. And so came into it pretty hot and was like, oh, no, I might not get this thing shut down in time. And there was a big old tree on the outside of the corner. I was like, dude, if I don't make this corner, I'm going to smoke this tree, you know. And uh, mm. anyway, yeah, finally I had to make a decision. I was like, yeah, I'm not making this corner. So I kind of blew out, blew the corner, split the two bush, the bush and the tree, and just out through the sagebrush and cactus and just along for the ride, really, grabbing <laughs> handfuls of brakes and rode the front wheel for a ways and then finally toppled over and endowed somehow I walked away from it because, I mean, it was a good high-speed get-off. But wow. Anyway, I got back on, brought the bike back in, didn't really do much damage. I, I did bend one of the brackets on one of the lights a little bit, but it was, like, already starting to get light a little. So, anyway, I brought the bike to to Brian. Nothing else was really wrong with it. The bike was good, and uh, I got off, and you guys kind of told me that I – hadn't lost any time to the leaders in that section. I was like, well, I don't know how I didn't do that because I just freaking yard sold it. But <laughs> anyway, just glad I'm okay and was able to walk away from that one. So yeah. I'm going to learn learn a little lesson from that too and and uh, be better for the next one. Yep. You guys finished and you beat Baja. That's we did. That's half the battle. You yeah. know, finishing is half the battle. It really is. But but the thing is down there, like the competition's so stiff that you you really can't have issues. And you know, that's what bit us this time. I think we would have ran with the top three bikes had we not had issues. So oh, yeah. feel pretty good about our effort. We've got a great great program, great effort, great sponsors. Um, we just got to clean up a couple things and make sure we don't have any issues. Yeah. So. Perfect. So that was Baja, the Baja 500. That's the Baja 500 recap. <laughs> Getting ready for the 400. Yep. What else we need to mention before we go? Um, well, Vegas Torino, they just announced that, uh, Besson Desert, just, you know, Vegas Torino's, happening they got their permits yep so um best in the desert was on restriction for a little bit with permitting from the blm they just released a a video saying that they got their permitting and everything's kind of squared away so they're back in business and then legacy's racing um in two weeks uh -huh. out here in panaca yeah. so stay tuned i might we might sign up for that one uh-oh just kicking kicking the ball around right now. But How many miles is that race? 325. 325? I think, yeah, 325 miles. And I it's think. a team race, just like normal, right? Yeah, just normal legacy race, so you can do team, solo, cool. whatever. Cool. But. Yeah, I might be hanging out watching that, spectating it. I don't know, we'll see. I'm still picking cactus out of my knee and my butt from Baja. So. Really? <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see if I get all the cactus out. I might go race Legacy. 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. Gnarly. So, and then I'm going to that Climb Cowtag event, a ride event in July in Chalice, Idaho. I just got to get me a bike. I might be running down and buying a new bike tomorrow. We'll see. I got to sleep on it. Sleep on it. I need something. The weather was perfect here today. I was jonesing. It was about 70 degrees, light rain over there in Caliani. Yeah, we're riding tomorrow morning. <laughs> get the Honda ready. Yeah, we got to get the Honda ready. <laughs> <laughs> let's put it in your shop for another eight months. No, let's not do that. that <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, continue with our show. Let's get, uh, well... Let's push record. We'll we'll add this with Lendon Smith. Super, super cool dude. I've uh, been talking to him every once in a while. He's actually going to be, or he's part sponsor of that cow tag thing that I'm going to with Climb. And, and so I'll be hanging out with him and Scott Harden and them up there. They're all going to be up there. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, listen to Lendon's story. It's It's amazing, the trials and whatever you want to call it, uh, creating a business and, uh, stumbled onto a good thing. It's amazing. Yeah. Making a good product. We love it. Yep. Thanks Lennon for the great seats, man. They're yep. the best. Heck yeah. All right. Well, we'll go get that part of the show going. See you in a few. Everybody. We have Lennon Smith in studio with us and uh owner of seat concepts and we're here to hear his story How's yeah. it going? Oh. sorry hey what's up guys uh stoked to be back and stoked to have you here with us london thank you so tell us your story where'd you come from and where did it all begin uh, so i grew up in a little cow town called arcadia florida so um probably population of about 4,000, something like that, you know? And uh, so me and uh, only a couple guys are only people that rode dirt bikes is everybody else is like in the rodeo and horses and all that stuff, you know? And uh, so it's pretty cool. Out of places to ride, empty lots here and there, you know, typical stuff. What was your first bike? Oh, so it was a 1964 Suzuki 90. Wow. And it looks something like, a Honda Dream, but with knobby tires. And it had a two-speed, like, I, I never figured out how to make it work, but it had two back sprockets, like a highway sprocket and a and a dirt sprocket. So it, I just left it on the dirt, dirt one, you know. So that, what year was that that you got that? Uh, 1978. And how old were you then? 13. Cool. Nice. Cool. And once you got on it, just, you felt at home? No, it was not, well... So my story, there is a little bit of hole there. So what happened is we moved, my dad moved us to Michigan for a couple of years. So we left Florida and moved to Michigan. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, all the neighborhood kids had bikes. So I would just be standing out in the front yard, you know, and I can't go hang out with the kids because I don't have a bike, you know. And uh, so I, so this is kind of another weird story. So <laughs> at that time in Michigan, they just started like a, a 10 cent deposit on all the beer cans and the bottles and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I got a job down at the local convenience store sorting. You had to sort all that by brand, which is 
bizarre, right? So, <laughs> but that was my job. And I was like, so I was like 13, and I, the guy would just pay me cash to go on the back and sort through all the smelly beer cans and all that crap. And so I made enough money to buy that bike at a yard sale. Nice. Awesome. So, yeah. so that was my first bike. It, me it seems like it means a lot more when you get out and earn it yourself instead of just being handed yeah. down. Yeah. 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 Cool. I had no choice. Our family was was poor, so you know, if I was gonna do it, I I had to pay for it from day one. So yeah. awesome. I can relate. <laughs> um, so how long were you in Michigan, and and that's where the sickness began? Yeah. So um, one of the local kids had a brand new XR80, so he was the the rock star, right? <laughs> but. Uh, we would do stupid stuff, man. Like we would just go out in the woods and cut down trees and make bridges across creeks and ride our bike, you know, so we kept expanding our trail network. And I mean, we, at the end of it, we had, I don't know, two or three miles, but when you're that little, it seems like it's a lot, a lot, you know? And, and there was a, where that, where those woods were, there was a big sand lot too. So we'd go out, you know, go out there and dick around was, in that. So was that all private property? Was yeah. Like, I mean, nobody they didn't really have public lands out there too much, right? Well, they did, was but, like but it was so glad one Michigan was a big riding area, but okay. you know, you had to be able to have a pickup and drive to get there. Was it a, like a park where you had to have a, um, pay a fee or something? Yeah. So up there, there um, same, similar to California, you got Bush a sticker fee. upon your bike. And, the, and all, you could ride all the snowmobile trails and stuff too in the summertime. There's tons of snowmobile trails up there. Hmm. But um, we just stayed local because nobody had a truck. We didn't, you know. I think one time one of the other kids' dads took us up there. That was kind of cool. Hmm. But then eventually moved back to Florida and then, then it was game on. I, <laughs> here's, so I got a, one, a Yamaha 175, right? And this is this is around 1980 or so, and uh, the junkyard, the salvage yards are full of these bikes, and they were like 75, so they're like five years old. But the junk, the salvage yards already full of these things. Mm -hmm. So I'd I'd get one run and take it, you know, take it home. It would need a top end, so back to the salvage yard I'd go and take the top end off of some other junk bike, take it back home, <laughs> get it running, and then we I'd ride that till it didn't have no compression anymore and I'd do it all over again, you know? <laughs> That's so, crazy, just figuring it out. Yeah, it we had it, man, so we had it dialed in, like we knew exactly which ones the parts and interchange, which ones wouldn't, you know, it's kind of crazy. Wow, and but, how old were you when you were doing that? So that, I was probably like 15. Wow. And then when I was 16, I bought my first real, it was an MX250 monoshock, you know, it was a 75 as well, but the guy took care of it. So it was a pretty decent machine, you know? And so that's how, I, that's how I really learned how to ride a dirt bike. The other things weren't, I wouldn't call them dirt bikes. They were just <laughs> something with a motor and you could- And two wheels. And two wheels, yeah. <laughs> so. But man, can you imagine learning how to ride on a bike, like something like that? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Did you, um, <clears throat> Did you race when you were younger or just ride or? So, um, it's flash. So I graduated in 82. So in 81, I was working at a Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> you know, cooking chicken or, but I got enough money. I bought a brand new YZ465 and yeah, I st that's when I started racing mm -hmm. and it was, it was all hair scrambles. That was um, a two, two stroke back then, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. 
Hmm. And it was, it was uh, but I was always a big kid, so I skipped right over. I never owned a 125 or an, you know, an 80 or any of that stuff. And by the time I was 16, I was already like 6'2", you know, so just a big kid. So I went, went right to the open class bikes. Cool. So what was your first race? So the town I grew up in, we had a hair scrambles. And so we had a KOA campground and it was on, I don't know, like 150 acres. And they would use that property and then the river had what they called an overflow. So when the river came up, it would go down this channel. So when they would race all through there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'd, it'd be like a 10 mile loop or something, you know? And uh, this really dense wood, so trail only to be like 100 feet apart. You wouldn't even know it, you know, cause it's thick woods. But um, it was, it was, it was brutal. Cause uh, you know, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. Uh, <laughs> Florida's all sugar sand, which is, it's not like the sand here. The sand here is light and fluffy and just kind of, you know, you just kind of slide all around it. That, that sand is dense. And whenever you hit something, it wants to stop the bike. Like, so every time you hit a whoop, you got to power through it. Like, rrr, rrr, is it like rrr. silt or, or thicker than silt? It's just wet and heavy, yeah. you know? Yeah, it just bogs you. Yeah. Through it, huh? Yeah, you know, and it's... Uh -huh. And if you, you, one after one of those races, it would just be a 10 miles of hoops. And then if it wasn't hoops, it would be black mud, you know? <laughs> so, but it was a learning experience for sure. So how'd you do in your first race? What class did you sign up? So I raced, I raced C class, if, you know, um, I don't know. I finished. That's all I was, you know, <laughs> that's to me, that was winning. That was that, goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you were stuck after that. You started racing. Yeah. Yeah, so I wore that. So I was lucky enough, we lived on 10 acres, so I rode at the house all the time. And I don't know, man, after about eight months, that bike was just junk because I, I rode the damn thing like two <laughs> hours every day, you know. So then I got a Honda CR480, and that's that's when I actually started winning the C-Class on that bike and then moved my way up. And by an 84, I was the open-class champion. So, uh, you know, the... the for that was so that was pretty cool. It took yeah. like a three year from zero to hero. <laughs> so yeah, you know awesome. zero to hero. Yeah. That's cool. So it just even after graduation, did you go to college and then keep racing, right? No, man, I went right uh, so my family was loggers. I went right into the woods and was running heavy equipment and chainsaws and you know. My grand my grandfather actually owned a sawmill, so we would <clears throat> make the boards and everything and, and uh so i got my uh back then they called them chauffeur's license but it was you know basically the class c for diesels you know mm -hmm. and it, it i was only like man like 18 i got it and uh, so i would haul the lumber i had to haul it halfway across the state like once a week a big semi load of lumber after we just yeah. me and my grandpa and one other guy we'd go out and cut the trees down you know get them back to the sawmill cut them up in the boards and then haul them haul them to market you know it was wow. it was pretty hand to mouth but you know it was, it was an honest living so so know. were you still riding and racing during that oh yeah and i would take the bike out to the woods and like during lunch break i'd go do a 20 minute moto or something come back and go back to work mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so it was, it was pretty you know it was pretty good for for that you know so when, when i think of florida i don't think of woods i think of like 
swamps sandy and beaches. <laughs> swamps and sandy beaches and hurricanes and huh. no it's it's so it's florida's it's got several different unique ecosystems there you know so swamps orange groves and then pine forests huh. you know so it's is the, that more up north so no we were so we were down probably two-thirds of the way down uh you know if you look at a map there's lake okeechobee and, you know it's the biggest if you see a map of florida you can't miss that lake but so we lived about dead even with that but halfway to the west coast from lake okeechobee mm-hmm. so it's right like central west central west yeah so but so tampa was 50 miles away so cool so was the racing industry or organization pretty big in florida yeah it was huge so they so we had so it, so they actually had f florida trail riders but they sanctioned they had a motocross series an enduro series a hair scramble series and um so you could race just about every weekend you know they wouldn't do it in the because summer in Florida is brutal, so like, yeah. you know, June, July, August, no, they wouldn't race because you would Too die. Yeah, so. But when I was back east a couple months ago on my big trip, which we haven't talked about, but that one weekend I went and raced the GNCC, there was a Florida Trail Riders race. Mm-hmm. So we had like five races we were going to pick, and that was one of them, but we ended up going to the GNCC. I was I was at that Florida race, so really? if you would have came there. We, mm-hmm. we, yeah. So Not that I would have ran into you, but. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Crazy. But there, so those so those races are big, though. So how many, do you know how many entries is at that GNCC? There's a couple thousand, I'm sure. So the Florida race is probably like 1,200. It's almost as big as a GNCC. Yeah. It's wow. they're huge, wow. you know. Well, we have a lot of riding, a lot of people riding out there. Then. Yeah, because because um, you don't have the so you don't have the public land. So most people race to ride. Yeah, you know they probably have. You Florida's very rural, so you know you probably have a couple five acres at home, so you scratch around there. But but then if you want to go venture out, you yeah. Ride go to a race and yeah. see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. That's pretty wild. We have a friend that's lives in Vegas, but is in our organization, Jay Livingston. And he went to Florida for a few years for work. He ended up joining one of the clubs that's in the Florida, yeah. what is it, Florida Trail Riders? Yeah. FTR? Yeah. So he just got back like a year ago. I thought he'd be here at the trail ride this mm-hmm. weekend. He was here last year, but... So then, uh, Lennon, how did you decide to to get into the? Maybe we're jumping ahead, but how did you decide to get into the seat business and like? Well, so you remember I said my first new bike was a YZ four sixty five. Well, a buddy of mine got into vintage motocross, and this I was by this time I'm living in California. I moved to California in nineteen ninety. My wife is from Huntington Beach, California. So, but I met her in Florida. It's a long story. The parents were divorced. She was living with her dad at the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, so we get to California and I'm there and I'm not racing anymore cause I'm working, you know, 12 hours a day and still, you know, just play riding on the weekends and whatever. But, um, my a buddy of mine starts, Hey man, I've been doing this vintage motocross. It's really cool. So I, um, got a, Bike Trader Magazine, you know, you know, they used to have those paper, uh-huh. but this is pre-internet, recycler you know, so recycler and all that. Yeah. So 
Um, I found the YZ465 in there. The guy's like, you know, it says runs perfect, 500 bucks or, you know, so I drive. It was only like 50 miles. It was two two hours to get there, but, you know, California. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> I go go get the go look at the bike. We fire it up. You know, it looks pretty nasty, but it runs. So drive it down the street. Give the guy the 500 bucks. Head back home with it. You know, so that but that started this whole odyssey. Me and that buddy, we go to restore these. He had, he bought one too, and you know you could get like a piston and rings or whatever, but there was not. That was it. Like there was no fenders there's no seats there's no gas tanks hmm. none of that stuff you know so we actually my first foray into having a business was we started remanufacturing parks parts for those bikes so we, we got the gas tank remolded we were making shocks um it was pretty elaborate billet triple clamps i mean it when we got done with the bikes they were cool and i can show you guys a picture of one you know they're yeah. they're they were freaking awesome <laughs> so but that's how I learned how to make seats, because um, you know these vintage bikes. When you pull them out of the wherever rat hole you find them, that, that's it. There's there's a rat, usually a rat's nest in the airbox. The seats <laughs> all chewed up, you know. Yep. So um, I learned how to make seats for those, and that was we started that in about 2004. So you would and, uh, mold the whole bottom plastic, then the foam. No, and just cover? just the foam and cover because that that back. I mean, to get an injection mold made for like a piece of the plastic is like stupid expensive, you know. And even just today, for the original mold or for each time you do it. Each time, so like if you want to do a YZ four sixty five, and then you want to do the Suzuki RM four sixty five, that seat base mold. Each one of those is probably like fifty grand. For wow. the injection mold for that, you know. So, <laughs> um, it's, but once you buy that mold, you can make yeah mold. But now the foam part, that's why I learned how to make my own molds for that. And we would use fiberglass because the foam is a liquid, mm -hmm. and once once you inject it in there, it grows like a like baking a, a loaf of bread. You know, it grows and fills like up. Like the foam that you buy. Yeah, just like the foam, expand, it, it's all expandable foam, right? But it's, but it's the chemical, chemical composition is much different, but it's the same principle, you know, the way it, mm -hmm. so that's why I learned how to do, and it's really not that easy. You can't just take a seat and mold right off of it because your piece will be small because the foam shrinks when it cures. So you gotta figure out how to you gotta you gotta figure out how to make a mold of the seat and upsize it so oversize it so that, oversize it so that right. when I when you when you're done with it it's the same size as the OEM it's 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 pretty tricky and it's a little black black art there uh, which fly you know to get a little ahead of the game we do we do all that now on a computer so we scan the seat hmm. and we upsize the part in the program before hmm. we make the tooling you know but back then it was all Guesswork. Guesswork. Some sometimes you man, this fits perfect. The next one not so much. You gotta remake everything. Wow. <laughs> you know. So but um but that's how it went. so I ended up making you know, we we figured that how do I put this? We started making selling more seats than any other parts and then people were asking us, Well, can you make a seat for my bike? Can you make us an Elsinore two fifty seat? And then so that it wasn't long we had a couple hundred molds for all the vintage just the foam bikes. part or just the foam part have you moved into the the hard plastic no mold? 
Because I know we got one from you. I yeah. got one from you, but you must have bought it from Well, that comes later because as um, in 2009, you know, my wife lost a six-figure job. Next thing you know, we had to leave the keys to our house, walk mm-hmm. out the door. Tip, you know, just there's a lot of people, you know, you can't take a six figure, six figure income out of your budget and, yeah, and you know, <laughs> you know the same way. Yeah. And just find that somewhere else, you know? So, um, so what happened then is, um, and then along with 2009, the vintage stuff just dried up because nobody, you know, the entire economy was yeah. in shambles. Yeah. 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 So, For sure. um, so that at, along that time, um, we, we didn't know what to do. And uh, so my business partner now, um, which is one of my riding buddies, he, um, he says to me, um, well, I have, some buddies of mine have a house that they just got it on the market to, to lease it out. And it has uh, a four car detached garage. So there's, there's like a shop. You can still do your seat stuff in there. Right? So, we went and talked to the folks, told them our situation, you know, I gave them, you know, and they just, they believed in us, so they, they leased us the house because that's another thing on all this time, people, once you get on the wrong side of stuff, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, so we, so we, we moved into this house and it was still making my vintage seats. Well, that same buddy, he was riding a DRZ 400 to work and he was, you know, complaining about the seat. So I said, hey, I think I can make a seat for that. So we made our first comfort seat was to fit his bike. And the, and then he was riding that to work and he goes, hey man, we should start selling these. So that's how Seat Concepts is born. And mm-hmm. um, and I think like the first week we sold 10 of those things. And what was and his name? Um, is Robert. Robert. I, I camped with him at Glen Ellen once. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's up in Idaho. Yeah, we, I'm jumping ahead, but we eventually moved to Idaho. You know, we're all up there now. But um, so that DRZ seat sold and was selling really well. So me and Robert sat down. I go, look, if we're going to do this, what we have to do is before any of the big, big people that are already in this industry figure out what we got going on, we already have 30 or 40 models that seats fit, right? Mm-hmm. So what we did is he was working nights and, um, <clears throat> And I, I basically kind of quit my job. I started working a little part-time and we were just making molds as fast as we could make them, you know? And um, then, uh, I don't know, it just took off, man. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know how to, you know, it was good quality stuff. I mean, in the very beginning, like some of our seat covers were kind of, I mean, cause we're learning, right? We're mm-hmm. learning the trade, you know? But uh, eventually we got, better and better at it the, the quality of the of the stuff is you know it's night and day better now and um we actually have real engineers working there and designing the stuff and you know it's not just me and robert in our garage anymore but hmm. you know so and we uh we went from robert myself and my wife doing the stuff that we have 46 employees now wow so that's awesome <laughs> So awesome. To, so yeah. it started in California, but now you've moved everything up yeah. to Idaho. So once the business started growing, um, we we moved we moved the business like four times. It kept outgrowing the shops, you know, and 
even though it was in a recession, the cost of renting commercial properties in California was just crazy expensive. And to buy a piece of property and build a building, forget it, man. I mean, you know, that's big, that's developer type that's stuff, you know, money. big money. So the business grew and, and it got to a point that it was, it was getting unt untenable. And my daughter, she got a scholarship to Boise State. So we go up there and we tour the school. I'm like, yeah, school's bitching, love this, but man, look at the city. You know, it's clean, people are nice, they talk to you, you know, and in California it's not like that, you know. And uh, so immediately we're like, man, we just need, I, I wanna move up here. <laughs> I'm jealous of my daughter living here now, going to school, you know, so yeah. it took us, three years it wasn't until the tail end of her junior year that we actually were able to move up there but we had to find property get a building built and you know all that stuff mm. but it's um we eventually got up there and it was just this is the best thing ever ever you know um, then you got your partner to go and yeah well he wanted out too i mean you know yeah. so, so how's that how's that area compare for doing business in the motorcycle industry and I mean, talk well, about so that's really cool because there's there's Western Power Sports is based out of there, Recluse Clutches is based out of there, uh, Promotability is there. Um, now we're there. Um, there's two or three other smaller places, but there's actually a lot of motorcycle in the businesses in that in Boise area. So mm -hmm. it's like it was a it was a natural fit, you know, and uh, so that was you know. I, we probably skipped a lot in the middle here because what I went and raced the GNCCs for a couple of years. We raced in Baja for a couple of years, and that really helped build the brand as well. Like so. So you'd already started your seat concept business, and still continued to race. Yeah. So that was helping you do yeah. some advertising. You get the word out. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you guys know if you go to Baja now, how many bikes down there have our seats on them? I mean, you know, it's. Most if, of them. <laughs> if, if they don't, they're missing out. That's <laughs> yeah. all we run. We love them. My so, butt appreciates it. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it's, I don't know, we pride ourselves in that we're, you know, Robert's a good rider. Uh, I'm decent. And, you know, we. No, you kick butt. I've been be riding humble. with you all week. <laughs> uh, I've been uh, riding with you all week and you're, Lennon's, you're ripping. Yeah, he rips. So, but we're. You know, I mean, that's, that's the thing is we are real, we're riders and. We know, you know, we know the business and we know what works and what don't. And that, I that think that, you know, yeah. so, and, uh, you know, we, we have the big adventure bike stuff. Those are fun. Um, I'm not as in love with that as I am the dirt bikes, but you know, it's still, they're still fun, but you know. So what's your, what's your top four or five models that you guys sell? So believe it or not, that DRZ 400 is always in the top five to this oh. day. Hmm. Well, um, is it just because they have a hard stock? Well, seat? they've been making the same bike since um, when did that thing come out? Two thousand. So there's 24 years, mm. and they still sell them to this day. Uh, so there's 24 years production run for those yeah. seats to go into, and then um, it's always you know anything KTM, and um, like believe it or not, like CRF 250L. We sell a ton of those seats. We used to sell a ton of Yamaha WR250Rs, which was their street legal dual sport bike. But they quit making it a couple of years ago. Uh, we still sell a ton of those seats too. 
you know, but it's um, it's it changes a little bit every month, but it's but it is fairly consistent, hmm. you know. So in your shop, if you were to walk in, how many different molds do you have? Once you make a mold, it's pretty much good for ever. Or yeah, it's it's good forever until just the demand drops off, and we've already had a few of those. And what happens is once the demand drops off, you know, our sewers, you know, they haven't, maybe they haven't sewed that seat in six months now. So now it takes them three times as long. Mm -hmm. They got to go find a pattern, pull it out, cut it out. And they got to go, you remember how this goes together? You know, <laughs> what, you know, so we do, we start opposite. We, we used to never, but now we're so busy. We have to start obsoleting stuff because it mm -hmm. just slows the whole process down, you know? And, uh, there's months where we'll we'll be shipping you know five thousand seats. Holy cow! So it's some people don't. Some people just think, well, what do you mean? You can just cut it out and sew it, but it's a whole process, oh, you know. Yeah. And when and when you you know you explain to them why, then oh yeah, I didn't even you know. So you know. typically, do you like people to send their seat in to get it redone, or do you offer the whole seat and? Okay, so now we're back to that. So what happened is once. Once we started making money, um, the first five or six years, man, we just took a basic salary. So we started reinvesting all that money. We were getting, we started getting the injection molds made for the seat bases and all that. And uh, once we started doing that, that really, that's what really launched the right, business yeah, because, sure. you know, you can, you know, you can make a lot more money because you're selling a complete seat and that's what people want. Like. Mm -hmm. Once we introduce the base for a model, 90% of people buy the whole seat. They don't want to mess around stapling stuff together, mm -hmm. you know. But now the flip side of it is some bikes will never make the base for it just because there's not the numbers there to support right. that because the, you know, injection mold tooling is uber expensive. So mm -hmm. you have to, you know, that makes sense. You, you have to you have to say well you know you have to do a business cycle right so you go well we're going to pay this much for the tooling what's it how long is it going to take to break even and how long before we start making money you, you know right so you have to amortize the cost of all that into the which product. is smart yeah yeah so but uh, and then <clears throat> you know it's but I still I love the business man it's like you know at first well here's the thing everybody says. Um, if you love your work, you're not working, right? Mm -hmm. But, and they also say, well, you know, if you like riding motorcycles, start a motorcycle business. But, but <laughs> the first five, six, way. seven years, you'll never ride because it just takes that yeah. much effort to do it. But now we've turned a corner and that's why I'm here now. And, you know, mm -hmm. so we've got really good people keeping the business alive while we go out and can market it have fun but we're also promoting the brand you know so when you're time. there are you in the shop hands-on are you just in the office or do you just like do um, this, do that? no i mean it's so i so we so we've progressed to the point you know we have department heads and production managers and general manager and all that so me and robert our main deal now is is r d so we kind of do what we've always done but we're not building anything anymore we're in the back where the mad scientist scheming hmm. this and that and and we and we hired two real engineers and we're it's a long process to get what we take for granted it's in our head and get it into their head mm -hmm. so that they can take it and do even better because they 
you know nerd out with it yeah they can nerd out with it for sure <laughs> you know so but it's um it's 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 pretty cool man i, I it's i love the business you know i really do so yeah it's just in the last few years it seems like you see them everywhere yeah since we moved when we moved to idaho it was like we were already doing very we were already doing really good we moved to idaho and then then all of a sudden man we just couldn't keep up with demand and we hired just keep hiring people and um and then COVID hit and um luckily we decided to double down and we 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 double and triple ordered all of our raw materials and all that stuff because during COVID or ju just, just as it was starting yeah, we're like Whoa, the start of it what's going on here oh man yeah let's get some stuff you know and uh, and your, your worry there was that you maybe wouldn't be able to get the products you needed yeah yeah because smart when you hear <laughs> smart because most it's one of two things either you can double down and order the stuff you think you may not get or you can get scared yeah. and say well we're not going to order because we there's too much uncertainty right but that'll kill a business yeah and i mean i think that's and so we doubled down and we you know we ordered like um because our fabric suppliers were like oh you know the lead the lead times are every time every day when you go in the office they the lead times are getting longer yeah. so we we ordered like a year's worth of fabric boom get it here as fast as we can the Smart. the foam material same way we you know we get it we already get it like a semi-load at a time so we told them just every every other week get a semi load up here you know so we actually came we were actually we got behind and during covid just because the demand was so we just could not build it fast enough you know well, but we had everybody was out riding yeah but we had the stuff to build it so at least we didn't get into that hell hole where hmm. man we can't even build anything because we don't have any raw materials so you, you guys know? probably succeeded and did better than most businesses because they Probably more conservative. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, and our, our, not only did our folks not get laid off or whatever, they were making tons of overtime and, you know, mm -hmm. so it was a win-win for everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we had a couple, um, you know, we put some precautions in place for the COVID. Like we made, you know, we had to make people spread way out and that kind of stuff. And, you know, hey, if you're feeling sick, stay home, <laughs> you know, that type of thing because yeah. we didn't want – liability we don't want well we don't want the liability we want to get we don't want to get our folks sick but we don't want them to get everybody else sick either mm -hmm. you know and you so, have to shut down yeah which so we, happened to a lot of people and we have we avoided that by just by the grace of god you know nobody a couple of people got sick but they caught it before before they got everybody else sick you know so well that's awesome well Happy for your success, and my butt's happy for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, how many do you know roughly? How many seats you guys have sold in the? I mean, it's probably some well, it's a. That's a. I know the number, but I don't really know if it's for public pu information. Public information, that's, because that's you know, but let's just say it's. <clears throat> a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. So, I mean, we've been doing it for, well, since 09 to what? I'm, I'm, I'm bad at math. What is that? So, so it's 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. So there's probably half, half a million or more our seats out there now. Cool. And they go all over the world, yeah. you know. And, um, and so uh, if somebody wanted to 
order a seat, and I don't know why you don't have one if you don't. How do you have a website? Oh you... yeah, it's just seatconcepts.com. Cool. And uh, you go on there, you, you can order off the site. We, you know, if you have questions, don't hesitate to call. Uh, we got we got four or five people that all they do is answer the phone all day, and sometimes they can't. I mean, there's so much volume. Sometimes they can't get all the calls it's, it's kind of crazy so it's you know? better to go online well you go online and there's a lot so there's a big Q&A part on there and it, that can answer a lot of questions but but still if you feel unsure or whatever you know just call you know or send an email you know I, I did and, uh, mine through phone when I got the the one replaced and it was probably right in the middle of the COVID thing mm -hmm. and I got right through yeah, I think I ordered Mars from Rocky Mountain ATVs. Yeah, so there's other vendors out there, right? Yeah, he's got vendors that are selling them, and so that's so that's another thing. Like we're when you order them from us, depending on what time of the year or whatnot, like um, there's always a lead time because we don't we don't build it dock them until you buy it because what if you're heavy? What if you're light? You know, what if these questions? Dealers they order just a standard seat. So if you order one from Rocky Mountain, that's a seat that's for yeah, like a 200 pound person, general, general seat, right? So for our purse, for the ones we sell, we like to hold that back and it gives you, gives us a little better customer service, I feel. More customization to right. the customer. Right, but at the same time, we only have a few dealers and the reason that is because we want dealers that are invested in it and they'll stock the product you know, Rocky Mountain is one of them. We have a guy in Australia who orders hundreds at a time. Uh, beta, Beta buys them from us hundreds at a time. Um, Are they going out on the new Beta bikes? Yeah, so they, so wow. Beta has that build your own bike deal. And uh, so they were telling me nine out of 10 of those bikes leave there with, with one of our seats on it, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, and there's a, there's several other dealers, but in what we do, if a guy calls and says, "Man, I got to ride next week. I got to have a seat," we'll give them. We'll start here and then go here, go there. This, chances are, one of these dealers could have a seat. There's no guarantee, but go ask them. If they got it. They'll ship it today. You know. Mm -hmm. So. Wow. So the other day we were talking about the one seat that's got the, what'd you call it? Got the strip in it. Yeah. So the traction ribs. No, the oh, 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 for like the tailbone thing, yeah. So, um, you know, we've had customers in the past that had broken tailbones or tailbone issues. So, what we can do is we we take the seat and we cut a notch in it, and then we backfill that with extremely soft foam. So, from the outside, it looks like a normal seat, but if you push on it with your thumb, right where the tailbone right goes, right where the tailbone goes, it's really soft, hmm. so it, it relieve that pressure. You know, so that's, that's one of the that's one of the things when people will call and we talk to them. We, you know, we can, well, hey, you know, we do have a fix, potential fix for that. You know, so very cool. It, it, dealers don't do that obviously for the same reason. Like, you know, they 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 might have that thing sitting on a shelf for months. <laughs> you know, until one guy comes in and goes, hey, I need a, I got a bad tailbone. You know, right. so so if you want something more custom or whatever. The website would be the best yeah. way to go. Get it custom made. So I think that's a good that's a good thing we need to clarify too. All of our most of our seats are semi custom unless you get them from Rocky Mountain or something. 
because what I mean by that is we can tailor it to your weight, your preference, like you might be a heavy guy, but you want it so soft, it's crazy soft, or, <laughs> or like me, see, I like firm seats. So even, even when I use the comfort seats, the wide seats, they're still firm. I, I like firm seats, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, but you can, you know, there's a, there's a million different asses, you know, and everybody's <laughs> a little different. So, you know, yeah. but, it's amazing. Just one product and running well, with it. To me, it's it's amazing how you started uh, just figuring it out for like one little niche thing uh, with the vintage bikes and all that, and yeah. then it snowballed into this you know business that's uh, super successful. And and I think it's just awesome that you took the took the leap of faith and put it all together and grinded it out for several years, made it work, and now you're able to enjoy it, but we all we all love them. <laughs> great product, uh -huh. absolutely great product. Amazing. Well, and it's it's also, for, it's very rewarding to me. I mean, it's, it's not all about the money. It's like just being able to be a part of stuff like the Nevada 200, like what we're all here for, yeah. you know? And uh, we sponsor a lot of, stuff around the country right you know a lot of rides um and it's really cool to get to go meet people and hang out and to me it's not about when i'm there i don't i'm not there to sell seats i'm there just to meet people and hang out you know <laughs> so and, and ride i i, yeah. I just want to ride you yeah. know so well very cool well going back into your riding and stuff are you still racing yeah so um I've been raised the last two years. I've been going to Florida in the winter to race because I grew up in Florida and I've, you know, it's I've home. always been homesick, you know, <laughs> so now it's a good excuse. Like we can go down there and ride because it's, it's icy, not necessarily snowy, but it's icy in the wintertime in, in Idaho, you know, all right, winter long. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a good excuse. Hey, you know, it's, Go to race. Going we're, home to race. We're testing, right? So it's a tax, <laughs> tax write-off, you know? And uh, so I do that. Uh, me and a couple of buddies from up there, we raced Vegas to Reno, this, this last one, and um, we won the 50 expert class. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Um, you're going back to 16, I think it was 16. Damn, my, my memory's going. But, um, <laughs> so we, uh, we won several races involved, including a 1,000. So we had the 400X plate that year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I love, you know, it's not about bragging or anything like that. I just like to compete. And I like to, the reason I got started riding is I, I'm a speed junkie. So it's like, I'm not really into the super technical rock crawling type stuff. I, I'm happiest in third gear, you know, <laughs> third and fourth, you know. Yeah. So um, that's, that's just what I love to do, you know. So you have the sickness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. so I got a question for you, Lyndon. On um, when you when you started building the injection molding stuff for mm -hmm. the for the bases, how did you get the data for each model? Did you were you able to get files for that? Is that no, something you can so talk about? Sure. We're still not. Man, it's big. You know. It's, as big as we are now, we're still not to that level with the OEMs. Like, you know, we do do some business with KTM. We do some bit 
business with data. Um, but we're not to that level yet, so we have to reverse. We have to, you know, we have to hire. Reverse engineer. We have to get it reverse engineered, and, and you know, so, yeah. you know, all that was farmed out in the past. Um, so we do have engineers in house now, and our plan is in the future. I mean, um, if you go way out ten years now, we I, I would like to see us have our own mold shop and, and doing our own injection molding. And all that, because everything you can bring in house, you know, you're you're cutting overhead, you yeah, know, cutting the middleman, cutting the middleman out, you know. So that's mm -hmm. uh, and that's so. So this is really cool. We have a we have a three D printer the size of an Easy Up, like you can walk inside the thing. Wow. And um, cool. we pioneered a couple of years ago. We started working on that, and it's it took a while because. Even the people that made the printers, they didn't know of anybody doing this before us, but we figured out how to print all of our foam molds now using a 3D printer. So wow. it's um, it's a really cool process. Like, you know, so, I mean, if you guys ever come up that way, man, I'd love to show you around. And you're in Nampa? Nampa, Idaho, yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, so. that'd be awesome. I'd love to see it, <laughs> so. the operation. And, you know, we have computerized cutting for the, for the covers now on, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's grown a lot, man. It's like, I never, I never dreamed it was going to be like this, but I'm going to, I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, when we first started out, it's just, man, we got to make some money somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of so, hard work. Yeah. So it's rad. Super, super awesome. It's awesome that you're in the industry that you love. So many people would like to do that and either don't or don't know how or just scared well one thing i've never been scared of is like um i'm not scared to ask questions like i'll pester somebody i'm trying to mm -hmm. you know i'm just i just like love to soak in knowledge you know so on the, the flip side of that is as the business keeps growing only only you know only an idiot would like try to hold everything close to your vest and not not impart that knowledge into your employees because they're the ones that's going to take it to the next level mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i'm an old man now so these engineers they're going to take it to the next level you know and you know they'll be trained in the next couple of engineers so what you know as their staff grows you know and but no none of those people will probably ever have me and robert's ideas they have floating around our head eventually they'll have to because we're going to retire you know at some point but um you know that all that other big companies you know they get to the point and that somehow or another they make it past that you know so we'll we'll make it past that too but um you know we're, we just want to keep this going and you know retire a happy man <laughs> yeah. so you know That's what it's all about, being happy. Living yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, anything else you want to throw in there, Eric? Should we ask him a Baja story? Yeah. yeah. You said you were in Baja. Everybody that we've had on the show in the past that's raced Baja, we always ask him a crazy Baja story, and now we have one. <laughs> but what you got a crazy Baja story. Uh I do, but I don't know if it's safe for, for public consumption. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give us one that is. Um, 
We'll, we'll hear that one later. <laughs> uh, so, um, let me think. Let me think about this for a minute. Oh, so I have a funny story. My first ever race in Baja. This is 2007. This is when it goes all the way to Cabo, right? It's that. Um, and then I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I was teamed up with Derek Payment, who's won the 1,000 overall before. Um, we had Tom Willis on the team, who's from Vegas, an old old Vegas guy, very successful. I think he had district several district 37 number one plates and hmm. um we had a solid team i was the squid basically <laughs> but um uh, being you know, i'm on the bike and i'm on the bike for six and a half hours and i don't recommend that to anybody but that's how we had to do it you know we only had five guys to go all the way to the tip you know yeah. so but um what do they call it the peninsula run yeah yeah, peninsula peninsula. Run. yeah. and uh <laughs> So we're doing this. I'm in the middle of nowhere, man. Just silk bed after silk bed, pen. I come over this rise, and here's a Mexican dude coming at me, walking. And this dude's in a blue, like, mar mariachi suit, big hat. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Is that like his Sunday best with a gallon jug of water? And I go blowing by this guy, and like, Literally five minutes later, I go, wait a minute. <laughs> what did I just see? Because, you know, you don't really, you don't really want to think too much, you know, when you're, when you're, so I'm like, was that a hallucination or not? But to this day, I don't, I don't know, but I had to be a real guy. I don't think I was loopy or anything, but, you know, was it was. This, were you on course? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. That was my first question. Maybe, I thought maybe you got lost. And you I thought that's where it was going. Yeah. Going downtown. Oh, no. I didn't, I didn't get lost, man. I, you know, made it to the next wow. Baja pits. And, well, that's another thing. When you're on the bike for six and a half hours, man, you got to relieve yourself, right? Yeah. So I come, you know, like every other Baja pit, you know, I, I got to whiz, you know, and there's tons of people around. All you can, you just whiz right in front of everybody, God and everybody, you know. <laughs> like I, the first time I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Stage fright, you know. But then it got easier because it gets, it gets to be miserable. Yeah. And Derek used to, just pee your pants. Like I can, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. You know, that's a long ride. <laughs> you know, so there, why not? I do it. Like, well, good for you, man. But I'm not going to ride around and pee in my pants. You know, so. But, but we finished. We actually that that was my first ball race, and we finished. We made it all the way to the end. Um, didn't do that great. We had a couple of issues here and there, but finishing is winning. Yeah, you know, for sure. That's awesome. So, oh, that's good. But, you know, oh, well, I told you the story a little earlier about um, was we were down pre-running and we're out, we went out to dinner and my wife calls me and she goes, well, what are you guys doing? I go, well, we just ate Chinese. And she's like, what? Chi Where the hell did you find Chinese in Ensenada? I go, I go, Amy, it was great. And, uh, you know, they took us out back and they showed us the dog and cat cages and everything was clean. Like, <laughs> the, <laughs> <so> <laughs> So and she's throwing up back home. Yeah, she got a good chuckle out of that. But no, honestly, man, that was was great food, you know. So, um, I I I've really enjoyed all my times at Bob. You know, I mean, I'll go hard at it for a while, and then I'll get then I'll get the um, you start thinking about it, right? And you go, man, I don't know, that's so damn dangerous, and you know, and uh, then I'll get the itch. Like right now, I got the itch to go. You know. I'm, 
going to be 59 in a couple months. So I'd like to get a 50, uh, you know, 500x plate, and I'd like to get a 600x plate, you know. Yeah. So that'd be nice little bookends for my garage, you know. Yeah. So, but we'll see. Were you at the San Felipe or no? No, we we were we kept talking about it and um, just couldn't get stuff going and. You know, um, my buddy Rodney wanted to do it, and he didn't want to do it. Then he heard your story, and now he's definitely not doesn't want to do it. So, <laughs> so, so I don't know. We may have to be, go back to square one. Maybe we'll, you know, a couple of my other buddies they're the same age as me. Maybe we'll just wait till we're sixty and do this, do the sixty thing. You know, hmm. so I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I'm enjoying. I'm just so stoked to be able to ride as good as I am, as old as I am. You know, so. Yeah. It's, you know, all you guys that are 30 and 40, wait till you're almost 60. And see, <laughs> see how easy it is, I'm you right know. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I know. It's, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm stuck. Respect, man. <laughs> you're killing it. Yeah. Don't ever stop. I think we were talking about that on the way here. Our friends that don't ride bikes or race, they don't understand. Right. Like my one friend's telling me to stop all the time. So they just, they don't get it, but it's keeping us young, keeping us at, you, you're moving. You, well, that's, I get that question all the time being, uh, you know, the emergency manager and fire chief out here. And then like, you know, I've got a family, I'm almost 40 or I'm 40 now. And like, I get that question all the time. Oh, how come you're still racing? You know, when are you going to quit? Da, da, da. I'm like, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> probably not going to quit, yeah. you know, when it's time, it's time. But until then. So let's go all the way back to Florida in 1981. Okay. There was a guy still racing in his 80s. Wow. I remember seeing this guy, like, you know, I'm I'm 16. Yeah. And there's this guy, he looks like a, a weathered old pitcher's mitt, right? And he's racing. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, that's going to be me, you know. Even back then, I knew that was going <laughs> to so, be me. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> so. But, you know, racing is in my entire life. I just, like I said, I just love the competition. And uh, I don't let it run my life. But if there's, if I got the time, there's a cool race, I'll go do it, you know. And obviously so, your wife supports you because oh, yeah. you guys have done the business together. She loves going to the races and hanging out. She likes having the clean goggles. She like, you know, yeah. it's to her, it's like part of life, part of life, you know. And you have two daughters. Did they ever race or do they? No, race? but they, so they were, <clears throat> my, my daughter Brenna did race a couple of district 37 races and she got a, her first race. I think she got a third and the next big six grand prix. And uh, the next race she got a second. It was, you know, the women's women's C class, you know, but uh, she wanted, she, she, she kind of wanted to, my oldest daughter, she never raced. They, both girls were Billy Goats, though. Like, they'd go on with the men, and there wasn't nothing. They weren't going to go up or go down or, or whatever, you know. And uh, they, my oldest daughter, she got married, and she got it. We have our first grandson now. And, Time you to know. get a bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grandpa's already got my brand-new PW50 in the garage. Yes. I, I jumped the gun a little bit, but... Yeah. It's waiting on him. So yeah, that's cool. But um, I, I probably screwed up. I probably should have got an electric bike because that's what all the kids are gonna, you know. Anyhow, yeah. um, his mom started on PW50, so that's what he's gonna do. Yeah, cool. And uh, she lives in Charleston, 
And uh, so there ain't a whole lot of riding around there. And she's got the baby now. It's just, it's, that's not in her wheelhouse right now. My youngest daughter, we were just talking about it. She wants, she kind of, she's been out of the game for a couple of years and she wants to get back to riding. So, are they involved with uh, seat concepts with you or no? So, my youngest daughter, she works. She, if you call, there's a good chance you'll get her on the phone. So, she works in our customer relations. It's probably who well. I talked to when I ordered mine. It was, <laughs> it was a female. Yeah. And what's funny is even when my even when my wife was doing that, guys will call up and go, "Oh, well, you know, is there like a guy there I can talk to?" And my wife would go. Sir, I've been around <laughs> motorcycles for 40 years and riding them for 20. I mean, mm -hmm. to come at me. Come at me, bro. So, and Brenna's got the same attitude. But her, her wealth, she knows way more about the product than I do at this point. You know, wow. so, because um, I only see the new stuff we're making right now, like the stuff I made 10 years ago, I don't forgot all the details about that, but they, you know, they have product books that they, you know, and they, they're answering those questions all the time. So she definitely knows more than I do about, awesome. you know, that is cool. Awesome. So it's, um, but it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. How to, I don't know how to put it in words, but I just, I'm so stoked that, you know, just that this happened for our family. Yeah. You know, so, I'm stoked for you. <laughs> yeah, for for real. Yeah. Well, it's been a amazing week here at the Nevada 200 Trail Ride. We spent all week uh, marking course with Lyndon and and Rodney Smith and Scott Harden. Yeah, who's Rodney Smith again? Yeah. He's that, he's that guy. <laughs> anyway, what a what a fun week and really an honor to have you on the podcast and well, thank be able you. to share your story about seat concepts and all the cool stuff you guys are doing. And uh, I'm sure it's a, uh, I'm sure it's an awesome thing for you to be able to see all the seats um, as you go to different races and stuff. It's going well, to be pretty rewarding. Just at just at this event, I mean, you know, I walked around this morning while everybody's staging and was looking at the bikes, and I don't know, man. Just you know, not that, not in a. It's just so self-fulfilling to see so many guys enjoying, you know, the fruits of my labor or our labor, you know. A good product. Yeah. It's a good product. And yeah. I'm I'm happy that people are happy with it because I, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if it was if I was slinging crap. Right. You know, because that's just how I am. So. Well, no, it speaks for itself. I mean, dirt bikes come with seats. And just the fact that people are spending hard-earned money on those seats – it speaks for the volume and the the product and i mean just yeah keep cranking out good stuff man we love it yeah thank you so. my butt loves it i know i keep saying that but well so that's a funny story like you know <laughs> you're not even supposed to sit that much but who, who would ever sit around you know like i never i never once said my life ambition was to make guys asses feel good right <laughs> so but yeah here i am so <laughs> i'll take it you know the only guy who might say that's what a proctologist or something, right? right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. oh. Well, cool. Yeah, like Eric said, it's been great having you join us all week at the Nevada 200 marking course and just out ripping Lincoln County Desert. No, man, this has been a hell of a good week vacation. Like, it's hard work. And I, like, 
like I said at the dinner the other night, I don't think people understand. Yeah, of course we're riding and all, but you got there's a lot of thought that goes into it and a lot of, you know, yeah. and it's it's hard work. And I've helped guys down in Florida lay out, you know, down there. It's even harder because you got you're hacking a trail through the brush and stuff. Yeah. You know, at least we didn't have to do that. You know, well, we did some. I don't know. I pulled up some some bushes out here and we there. We dealt with water more than bushes. Yeah. This time. Yeah. Rocks though too. Like yeah. just you know, clearing, well, the, clearing some nasty downhills and stuff like that. You guys weren't there, yeah, but the, the Ho Chi Jack Trail, we brought broke broke out the shovels and the rakes and yeah and you jack know. told me the other day that you guys were doing that but he yeah. hides the shovels the first year he did that well they're he, up in the canyon yeah, yeah. he's got them yeah. up in the canyon he goes it was horrible taking them up there so i just <laughs> left them <laughs> so um all right well let's call it because yeah. uh we got to get up early in the morning and do do day two of the trail ride yeah and i i guess we're gonna we're gonna team up tomorrow then and yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Just tell me, tell me what to do. Just don't let me get a, a, a whistle. <laughs> Although I might already got one today, so I might be done for that. So yeah, no worries. We'll keep, we'll keep you in line. All right, all right, guys. Well, um, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll see you at the races. Cool. Thank you, guys. Bye. All right, and there you go. Lending story, seat concepts amazing what a story if you guys need a seat to make your butt feel better get a hold of Lendon and see concepts they'll uh hook up your seat hook up your butt yeah we love seat concepts use them in our race bikes in baja or pre-run bikes i mean just i don't even want to ride without one especially a ktm seat if you own a ktm or a husky you gotta get you a seat concepts so yeah. Anyway, yeah, great show. Thanks, Lennon, for coming on. We appreciate you. And um, awesome story, awesome work. Uh, great, great industry um, business, and we love what you're doing, dude. Also, i got to throw a little shout-out to some of our other sponsors that keeping the show and, and the team and the program going. Um, Takamoto. Mike over at Takamoto.co. Thanks, Mike. Um, really helping the show out here and doing some cool stuff. Mike's really doing some cool stuff to support the industry and um, has a lot of really neat hacks and fix uh, fixes for just you know original problems on KTM's Huskies. Um, even the Hondas, I think. So it looks like he just went and bought a beta, so maybe he's going to be getting into the beta stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, he's all over the place, but he's doing some cool stuff. So thank you, Mike. Um, also, I got to thank Bulletproof Designs, Fly Racing, Kenda Tires, and Nitro Moose, some of our personal sponsors that are keeping keeping me in business and uh, keeping the team rolling. And really appreciate them for. For all their support as well and and mike mesa for sure the owner of the yeah norman owner. racing mike mesa uh really just crushing it for us couldn't none of this would be possible without him and uh what a what a cool dude i couldn't ask for a better sponsor and better partner just loves loves moto loves off-road and he's all in so yeah yeah, super cool dude. I got to ride with him all the way down to Mexico from Vegas and then 
hung out with him during pre-running and stuff, and then drove back to Vegas from Mexico with him. And some of the stories he's got and things he's doing is amazing. Super cool dude, and uh, proud to call him a, a friend now. Yeah, for so. sure. It's cool stuff. Uh, hit us up on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, it's uh, Facebook is Katie Eric. Instagram is the Desert Dirt Biker. And check us, uh, shoot us an email at the Desert Dirt Biker at G- gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we also have TikTok. I don't know what that one is. <laughs> it's what's just our, what's TikTok, our TikTok. The Desert Dirt Biker. There you go. Yeah, TikTok. Um, yeah. Until next time, if you guys have any suggestions for guests or know somebody that wants to be a guest or if you have any comments or ideas for shows that you want us to hit on, topics, things you want to learn about or hear about, um, maybe we can help you out. So shoot us a a message or a text or an email or something and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you all for listening. All right. See you at the races. You have just listened to another episode of the Desert Dirt Biker podcast. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you tune in next time.